What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 71 of RJ Bell's Green Preview, MLB edition. I'm your host, Taylor Ringgold. My co-host, Griffin Warner, is here as always. And we have a crazy World Series to break down for everybody here on this episode. We'll be breaking down uh, games three, four, and five. We'll be recapping those and then breaking down the next and potentially final game of this World Series, Game 6. Griff, what's going on, brother? How we doing? We're good. Um, what a game. Uh, what a catch what a by uh, McCormick in center field. Uh, we're recording right after the game ended. So uh, emotions are raw. I don't know that uh, either you or I are that emotional about this this matchup. But I do have a, a little candy on the, the Astros to win the series. So I uh, feel very good about going up 3-2 and going back to Houston um incredible performance by christian javier and bullpen and oh my god other than the catch by mccormick tonight uh mvp ryan presley what a performance coming out of the bullpen and just striking out everybody it's pretty remarkable what he's done and what that bullpen has done in general but before we get into ourselves with recapping all these crazy games a little scheduling note for everybody so if there is a game seven on sunday we will drop an episode for everybody before Sunday's game. You'll most likely have it around Sunday morning, maybe Sunday afternoon. And if there is no Game 7, meaning that Game 6 is the final game on Saturday, we'll drop it during our regular scheduled time slot, which is around late Sunday evening into Monday morning. So just for everybody to understand, if there is a Game 7, we will give you an episode before that game on Sunday. If there is no Game 7 and the Game 6 ends with an Astros win on Saturday, you'll drop a regular episode kind of recapping the whole World Series and basically recapping the entire season as a whole and giving you our thoughts. That will be at our regular time slot on Sunday evening into Monday morning like we always do. And before we really get into the nitty-gritty, I'm going to give you guys a great ad that I've been reading for weeks now. It's a free chance to win $1,000 cash. I want that. You want that. I want that. I know all of our listeners keep hearing it, and they're like, all right, now I've heard all these weeks. I might as well just do it. Go do this. It's Beat McKenzie Rivers NBA Contest, $500 first place prize, and a $500 bonus. So McKenzie Rivers last year earned – a profit of 64 NBA units. That's a ton. So for this Beat McKenzie Rivers contest, you as the contestant who earns the most, the most NBA units wins for $500 cash. And then if the winner earns more units than McKenzie did last year, then the contest winner gets additional $500. And if you're good at math, that is $1,000 cash. Enter today. It's free. Just go to pregame.com and click on the contest to find this contest. The NBA action is going on right now. Do it. Try winning this thing. Let's gain all those units. It's free. A ch- it's a free chance to win $1,000 cash. Just join today. Go do it right now. Okay, Griff. We have had an insane, insane game since the last time we recorded. Game three was an interesting game, being that the Astros did not come to hit. Then we see the opposite way in game four, where the Phillies legit couldn't grab a hit. And then in game five tonight, an unbelievable ending with great pitching, clutch defensive performances by both sides. 
just a wild last three games. But first, let's just break down quickly your thoughts about game three. The Phillies showed up to hit. They absolutely rocked Lance McCullers. Lance McCullers was absolutely tipping his pitches the entire game. All on Twitter was talking about, is he tipping? Is he not tipping? He clearly was tipping his pitches. And the Phillies took advantage with a ton of home runs. And we saw another just a great performance offensively. So, Griff, give me your little uh, breakdown of what you saw from Andrew Suarez, who pitched really well, and Lance McCullers, not so much. Yeah, um, makes me wonder about Ranger Suarez and his availability the rest of the series. So this was Tuesday. He didn't go that deep in the game, but Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that's three days rest. So Saturday, it's going to be Zach Wheeler's start, but maybe that means Ranger Suarez is pitched on Sunday if it gets there, if necessary. Um, was very surprised by Lance McCullers, uh, but when they knew a curveball was coming, you could see it on the broadcast and Brett, when Bryce Harper hit a home run and then literally gestured over to get Alec Baum to come just talk to him and whispered in his ear, hey, look at when he uh, how high he lifts his knee. Uh, it's going to be a curveball if he lifts it really high. That's right. Well, that went really well for the Phillies. Um, makes me wonder how that can happen in this sport at the like last series, World Series, uh, like in the championship round, essentially. Um, and McCullers, you know, he didn't have that swing and miss stuff when people knew what was coming. His curveballs or sliders seemed to just sit middle, middle, and they got hit really hard. Um, I don't think the Astros offense was that bad in that game, but ultimately when they went down, um, that was really hard for them to get back in it. And, uh, you know, it was a big, big win for the Phillies. And honestly, to me, I was like, man, what a what a huge break for uh, the Phillies to get game three pushed back from Monday to Tuesday. Uh, I think it's also pushed back this series because it was supposed to be a Friday, Saturday, game six and game seven, which I guess is now Saturday and Sunday competing with the NFL right. on Sunday, potentially game seven, which will be tough. But uh, I think you'll still get a, a fair amount of viewers, Rob Manfred. Um and, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see what they do and if Ranger Suarez is even available in game seven, or excuse me, game six on Saturday on uh, looks like three days rest because Wheeler wasn't so good in that last start. And I'm a little concerned for him. Also, what are they going to do with Lance McCullers? Is Lance McCullers going to be touching this mound again? That's a big question. And I saw this stat. Uh, shout out Baseball Savant. Amazing website. I looked this up during that game three start. So Lance McCullers threw 759 pitches in 2022. 321 of them, Griff, were breaking pitches. And 186 of his 189 curveballs were thrown to lefties. And guess how many lefties hit that ball over the fence against the curveball? Harper, Schwarber. Just, just Harper. This was the only hitter all year. So Harper knew that he was going to get some off-speed pitches right off the bat because our because and until so only three curveballs were thrown to righties all year. So a scouting report like that, of course, you'll know as a left-handed hitter, you're going to be facing McCullers. You're going to be throwing a lot of curveballs majority of the time. McCullers also loves to throw the curveball in general. That's one of his favorite pitches to throw in his career. He throws out almost more than the fastball. And it's very impressive that he's the only one to hit the ball over the fence against, I think it was against, I think there were sinkers against uh, Schwarber and Marsh and mm. uh, not 
typical off-speed pitches and or sliders, whatever. But um, interesting game three. Game four, or do you have any last last remarks on on game three here, or do you want to jump into game four? I mean, big. It was a big win for Philly. We're kind of revision. We're going through history right now. So no, go ahead. So coming off a big W like that, you would think momentum would be swinging the Phillies way. Clearly, that was not the case when uh, Yankee fans' worst enemy, Christian Javier, throws another combined no-hitter. It's always got to be about the Yankees on this podcast, you know? We, and you know what? We haven't talked about the Yankees since they were eliminated. I got to throw them out in the last couple of episodes. I just got to say it. And you know what? For the listeners, they're probably happy because this is a negative comment, not a positive <laughs> one. So happy for everybody with that comment. Yeah, Christian Javier had a hell of a game. Nine strikeouts over six innings. Just walked two. The Phillies offense. The Phillies offense left seven runners on. That really wasn't the big case. A couple of games down the road here, and overall in the series, they've left a ton of runners on base. In game six tonight, game five tonight, they left 18 runners on. Uh, can't win ball games with leaving 18 runners on. But what was the biggest thing you saw in the, the Philly offense besides being no hit? Were you not impressed with these at bats that they were having? Struck out 14 times against the Astros pitching. I, I just think that's who they are. The Phillies are a Great. we're hitting home runs or we're not really hitting much at all. Um, and that unfortunately there are peaks and there are valleys when you play that way. Um, and part of coming into the series, why I like the Astros so much was that they they have they put up at bats. I mean, the Phillies do work counts fairly well, but I think it's because they're swinging for the fences and there's a lot of foul balls involved in that. Uh, but the Astros have just shown that they can put the ball in play. Not, I, I know that's not the analytics favorite way to play baseball these days, but I do think that the pressure of having runners on base does matter if you have people that can hit the ball into holes, gaps. I mean, Yuli Gurriel essentially just swings for the, the overshift all the time and, and swings to try to hit a ground ball to what would be modern-day second base, but they don't play him there because everyone shifts on the left side of the infield. Um, Phillies don't really do that. And besides Gene Sakura tonight, who had a huge hit, um, which we'll get to in a little while, um, the Phillies are just swinging for the fences, and I think that's a big problem for them. Um, yeah. It worked fairly well against the Colors when they knew it was coming, or even if they didn't, they hit him hard. Um, but they have, I mean, the Astros have a lot of swing and miss guys. It's, I mean, that's how you're a good pitcher these days. You got to, you got to be able to get whiffs. And uh, the Phillies couldn't do it, and that set them back big time because of a three-one lead might have been like. Not game over, uh, but it would have been really hard for the Astros to win three straight, I think. Uh, and that no-hitter, certainly, I mean, it it was pr- probably pretty deflating for the Phillies um, and fans in general. I think the fans probably showed out pretty well, though. I don't think it really took it too much to heart. Uh, but it was big for the Astros, huge for momentum. Huge. And uh, I think it might be the reason they, they win this World Series. I don't disagree. Momentum swing in the postseason is so big. Sometimes... It could, if you have a momentum swing in the first round of a series, when you win a, a clutch game coming back, or you have unbelievable, unbelievable pitching performance by your pitchers, it could automatically swing your team into the right direction, and you can go on a really big run. Unfortunately, the Phillies are up against a team that is the best team in the American League, and they have the biggest W of the year with a combined game no hitter. That is tough to come back from. I don't care what they were saying post game that, you know, Schwarber's like, I don't give a shit. I know you don't, but you know, across that dugout, 
that this win, they are so much, they have so much confidence because game three, you guys absolutely embarrassed them. The starting pitcher left seven runs in his start in a World Series start. Embarrassing. And then you come back, you don't, you don't get all depressed. You don't get, you know, angry. You come back with a combined no-hitter. Rio Muto, Harper, Castellanos, and Baum. They left a they struck out eleven times combined in that series in that game alone. Eleven of the fourteen was from the hitters three, four, five, and six. The middle pack of the order striking eleven times is not what you want. So shout out for Javier Abreu Montero and the baddest man of them all in Ryan Presley is having the postseason of his oh, yeah. life. The postseason oh, yeah. of his life. And let's get into finally game five that would just wrapped up a 3-2 victory for the Houston Astros. Justin Verlander's first World Series victory of his career. We talked a lot about how bad he's been in the World Series. We talked about his game one appearance where he did not show up and he finally showed up in this game. The five innings is maybe not what exactly what you want out of Justin Verlander. The four walks that was get that Justin Verlander did is not exactly what you want, but he got out of the jams, six strikeouts. The only one run given up one run allowed was against Kyle Schwarber. And then the bullpen shut the door. Unfortunately, the Montero uh, RBI that he led up by Gene Segura is the only run the bullpen's let up in the last in the last game, last two games or so. But Ryan Presley shut the door, two strikeouts, getting five outs, which he hasn't gone more than an inning. He only, he only went more than any one time this year, and it was against the Angels, and he got six outs. So this was uncharted territory for Presley. The pitching again did great, great defense. Uh, what do you think from overall? What do you think about Syndergaard's outing? What, let me hear it. Um, so I'll just just touch on Ryan Presley. Uh, twenty six pitches, inning and two thirds, five out save, two strikeouts, no hits, no walks. Um. I think he did have a hit by pitch, uh, Bryce Harper, but um, yes. it's huge now that they're not playing on Friday because he might not be available. I mean, he probably would be. It's the World Series. I mean, you're not saving your arm bullets for anything now, but um, he's going to have a nice day's rest, try to get that arm as limber as possible for Saturday, and that's huge. Um, finally, something breaking the Astros way. I know no one wants to hear that, but oh, um Jesus. Uh, Verlander, I got to say, was shaky. Uh, four walks in five innings. That's not what you want to see. No. Um, I mean, Dusty Baker had Brian Abreu up in, I think, the third inning and the fourth inning. One of those two innings, at least, at the very least. Yeah. Um, he came in and was lights out. Uh, they surprisingly went to Hector Neris, um, who's a former Philly, um, which he was great and has been great this series. Uh, Bray was awesome. Montero was surprising. I mean, he was very wild. Uh, walked a guy that hadn't got a hit this whole series. I mean, how they're not pinch hitting for Bryson Scott, I, I have no idea what's going on. I mean, but when you look at the bottom of that Phillies lineup, um, Gene Segura hitting eighth is an insult, but I think you got to split up the lefties in Stott and Marsh, who are both hitting on the interstate. Nick Castellan- Castellanos now below 200 as well. Reese Hoskins below 200. I mean, batting average is an old school stat, but just not a good sign that they're getting any sort of hits. The no hitter certainly speaks to that a little bit. But JT yeah. Real Muto and Schwarber both around low two hundreds. It's basically Harper on us on his own island right now in that lineup. And I think that's kind of what 
coming into the series that was a concern for me is that the Phillies are going to be all or nothing home runs. They're going to need people on base to win games that way. Um, it's worked out and they've won two games, which surprised me as I picked the Astros in five. But um, I think this day off is huge for Ryan Presley. It's huge for the Astros because unfortunately, the, I think the pressure on that flight is not certainly not a fun flight for Philly right now going to Houston probably in the next hour, couple hours or so. Um, Houston's going to get home. They're going to have a huge crowd behind them. They get last at bats. So like the rules favor them to win this game uh, in game six. And, and just to finish my, my thoughts on game five, I mean, what a performance from Jeremy Pena. Um, incredible. He's been so good this whole playoffs. Like every play that, he, that hits, hits a shortstop, like he even had a huge jumping, leaping catch tonight too, which uh, I think Rob Cassiano and, and like ultimately it's, I mean, like Altuve, I mean, everyone's leaving him for dead. He keeps getting multiple hits in a lot of these games. And I, I mean, just the Astros are they're so hard to beat. I mean, credit to Philly so far for putting up a big big time fight, though. I've noticed some things with the Phillies lineup. Of course, they're leaving a ton of guys on base. Both teams left 18 runners on base. So that's alarming from both sides. Clearly, the Astros had better opportunities with Jeremy Pena having an incredible he, the guy, the kid's a rookie, and he's having he's he's a leader in that offense. Like he's been there for a decade, and that is something you got to be really proud of. If you're the Houston Astros that you have this guy is going to be the next Carlos Correa. Maybe it could be even better. Who knows? I mean, it's, they they let Carlos Correa walk, the captain of that team. I thought, um, yes, I totally for a reason. Yeah. Uh some things to take note of when you are going to be betting on and just overall watching this game, this next game on Saturday, Nick Castellanos might not be having the results he wants, but over the last, over this game in particular, he's been working counts a lot more. He's been, it, it looks like he's starting to find himself a little bit at the plate. The strikeouts are happening, but he's working the count full just about every time, which is good, and he's he's drawing walks. Uh, what's not good? Reese Hoskins four strikeouts in game in game five tonight. He's been terrible in the World Series ever since ga- his home run in game three. JT Romuto, ever since his home run in game one, he has has not been here. He is three for twenty one in the World Series with a 143 batting average in over five games of play playing in this World Series. That is your three hitter in this lineup. Your two and three hitters have been very bad overall this series. Schwarber and Harper have been the offense. Bryson Stott, I understand, Griff, why are you like you're on your question, like why aren't they pitching him? His defense is too valuable at, at, at shortstop. And who who would you be comfortable with pitch hitting for Stott off, off that Philly bench? Is there somebody? Anyone? Any single person? Uh, a pitcher almost? Uh, I like Stott in the field. I can't. I just late in the game, I would want him in the de- as a defensive player. And it's almost like referring back to like old school baseball. Like the shortstops really were never the good hitters. It was strictly defense. But Stott is a good hitter. He's just struggling in this postseason, and he's struggling at the worst possible time. I do he think left- that so, – sorry, just to cut in. I do think that they needed help defensively, and that's kind of where he came in. Plus, it's also a big deal because I don't know if the Astros even have a lefty in their bullpen. So, um, 
Like, are you really going to pinch hit Bryson Stott for Edmundo Sosa, who's been pretty hot yeah. since he joined the Phillies, but He's right a on defensive right, you player. don't want. Um, he, yeah, his numbers are really good, but I mean, you could be fooled by those for sure. Um, I don't know, Nick Maton, like I, I just like any, anybody, I'm not sure he's on the, the playoff roster actually now that I think about it, but literally anyone, cause like over 13 and like, I feel like he's been up in a lot of like game changing spots where win expectancy was like really heightening up whenever the Phillies seem to be trailing Bryson Stotts at the plate, popping out to center field or, or right center. It seems how, how it goes. And so at this point, I feel like, especially with the backs on against the wall, I feel like um, we might really get to see what Rob Thompson has uh, under his belt because he's going to have to make some decisions, and I think he's going to have to jumpstart that offense. I Honestly, I feel like you need to start doing stuff with Gene Sakura getting higher up the lineup. Uh, Reese Hoskins, I mean, he's hit second all year, but he's a home runner or K at this point, and home runs are a very, very low rate. Would you move Bohm up into the two spot? And move and move Hoskins at where he's hitting around. Uh, it's hard because six. It, clearly, this lineup is built to just slug and just hit as many homers as possible. Get as 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 strong as your guys are getting up there as often as possible. I don't really like batting Real Muto before Harper because ultimately, like, like this lefty righty, like I guess lefty righty righty with Real Muto hitting third, and then lefty to Harper, righty to Castellanos, righty to Bohm, lefty Stott, righty Segura. I mean. I don't think there's any sort of method to the madness because the Astros don't really have any lefties to really fear. So um, I think you got to line up your, your best hitters. I mean, if I was doing this lineup, I would put Schwarber, I think is always going to be the leadoff hitter, but I would put Harper second and some Barry Reese Hoskins. Like, unfortunately he just as so he's the peaker valleys, like the definition of strikeout or, or home run. And I just don't think he's hitting enough at this point for that to happen. I understand I understand why Rob Thompson's having Harper at the four spot. I wouldn't want your two best hitters bunched up at the top of the order. One, two. Look, I think the reason why Schwarber leads off is because he can grab you a lead right off the bat first inning. Well, and, and he's done it for and he, and he's done it all year. year. So, done it a whole I mean, year. But also, if the bottom of the order actually does their job and gets on base – you have Kyle Schwarber with runners on at the when you have your bottom of the order hitters coming in. Yeah, I think at this point though, can you like these are not accomplished hitters besides Gene Segura, who definitely is seeing him hit at, at 226 batting average right now in the playoffs does not look like reasonable to me. But like I, I don't trust these guys at all. I mean, they've done nothing in the big leagues, Stott or in Marsh specifically. Um, they are lefties and they're coming in against right-handed. Pitching, I do think with Framer Valdez like on the mound for game six, you might see some changes there and you might see a lot more right-handed of a lineup. I do wonder, though, if you change the mainstays, if that kind of looks like you're panicking and that's like a message you don't want to send to your team. No, and, and I – on paper, right, you don't look at their stats. You just know who they are. You know who they used to be, right? You look at that first five. That is a monster lineup. When you have Real Muto, who is a all-star hitting catcher, Harper, we know who he is, Nicky Castellanos, a monster a year ago. And we all know who Schwaber is, and Hoskins is a wild card at times, right? He's at his ups and downs. We know who this team can be, and that's what's the puzzling part. We know who they are. We've seen it throughout the entire playoffs, like specifically the Padres series, on how clutch they were, and everybody had a moment. 
Nick Castellanos with the defense, Harper with his clutch home runs, Hoskins with the fucking series of his life, right? And everyone was picking each other up. But the Astros pitching is so damn good, they're finding holes easily. I mean, how many times did you how many times did we see Bryce Harper get absolutely embarrassed at the plate? Abreu embarrassed him. Embarrassed him in game four with that late inning at bat. That's fucking slider. Bryce just needs some help, man. Uh, he I just mean, needs help. He needs You're someone right. Someone around. I, I get, it doesn't probably affect how they're pitching him, I guess, at this point. Because, um, I mean, it's amazing to me how many fastballs they throw him or they have been. Dude, um, uh, it's and they throw where he loves to hit it. He, the outside pitches, he loves it, and they keep throwing it out there. They're ballsy as hell. Yeah, I mean, I think that's when you're confident and you know that you're a really good team and you have great pitchers. And I think when you get leads, you can be a little bit more confident. I mean, Justin yeah. Verlander was really shady and, and scary for me tonight. Shady's probably not the right word, but I, I was I was concerned about him. I'll put it that way. But um, and then I, if you got more to say on this game, it just just finished, just wrapped up. Uh, yeah. I'm probably good, but I think we could probably spend a fair amount of time talking about this game six. We do have a line available. Um, but do you have anything you want to touch on before uh, I read I just, my promo code? I just feel like it'd be wrong of us not to shout out Chaz McCormick with the catch of his life, the chat, the catch of the year. We said it. I don't know if we, you said at the beginning of this or if we talked about it before. If that ball hit the wall, I think Ramuto would have scored on his own. What, so, a catch. what a catch. Um, and at that point, also, if, if Presley gives up a, a tying inside the park home run that place is going bananas and Tough. he's got not that many more pitches in his arm. So uh, maybe the Phillies then go win in extra innings. And uh, then we're talking about a completely switched thing. So huge play. Chaz McCormick, who I think is actually a better hitter than he looks like tonight. Uh, wasn't so great with uh, runners in scoring position from what I remember, but um, use promo code grand 20, uh, 20% off for all listeners of this MLB podcast. Uh, for any purchase, site purchase on the pregame.com website, it's good for seven days from the podcast release. Uh, you get my picks. I'll be probably putting one of these out. Um, I got, got a decent soccer card tomorrow, so that'll come out probably tonight if I uh, uh, decide not to go to sleep right after we finish this. As we're uh, te- we're burning the midnight oil on this podcast, but plenty of other great handicappers as well on the site. AJ Hoffman, Steve Fezzik. I mean, the, the list goes on. My uh, soccer co-host, Mackenzie Rivers, who you're beating in an NBA contest right now, if you listen to the earlier part of this pod. Uh, but come on in. Water's warm. Jump on pregame.com. Find some picks you want to want to roll with and uh, enter the code GRAND20, and you get 20% off for all purchases. So let's go into game six. Uh, Oof, and game we six. do have a line. Uh, and I feel pretty good about this one because uh, it's very close to the number I made. So I was expecting... Um, so starters are Zach Wheeler for the Phillies and Framber Valdez, Framber Valdez, excuse me. Uh, and it's actually right where I made it. So I made from Framber Valdez, a minus 140 favorite at home. Uh, and that's what I'm seeing right now. Um, 140 and plus 130. If you're taking the Phillies over under is seven. Um, this is a rematch of game two, which went in the Astros, um, favor um and it was a must-win game for them because starting out 0-2 at home probably would have maybe i don't know if it would end the series would have made it a lot harder for the the astros to be champions um but we had i mean i don't know how you're feeling and we'll get this in a second but zach wheeler was not very good in his first start um got hit pretty hard by the astros and ultimately took his his worst decision performance whatever of, of the playoffs he had been nearly perfect in his first three starts, only having one inning where he gave up three runs. But his last two, he gave up two to the Padres, five to the 
to the Astros here and then has to go back to that same venue, only struck out three and five innings. I'm wondering if it's just going to be hard for him to try to keep that, that sort of thing up. Meanwhile, from Framber Valdez, can't ever pronounce his name right. I guess I just found out that's how they pronounce it, but um, he was great. Six and a third, one run allowed nine Ks for a guy that doesn't really strike out the world too often. Um, but he's got some swing and miss clearly. And against Philly's team, it's going to work three walks and look great in six innings, but it'll probably be or six plus, but are you going to be a little bit more careful about that? Probably in this next one. Um, what are you thinking about for the starting pitchers? We'll start there and then we can try to, I guess, go from there and talk a little bit more lineups and bullpens after that. Oof, Griff, this is tough. I've been riding with the Phillies all, all, uh, I want to say all postseason, but uh, the last two series have been rolling with them. I think the this, play, I think it's fair to say the playoffs. We we've liked the Phillies based on what they've done. Didn't really expect yeah. it coming into this, but um, you definitely really like them to make this a very competitive series. I thought it would be over by now. Yeah, I did predict Phillies in six, but if the Phillies do want to win, they're going to have to win in seven. This is the right man on the mound. I understand he did not have the greatest showing in his last outing, but this is the this is why you pay him the $125 million over five years. That's correct. I think I'm almost positive that's correct. You know, Wheeler did not show show up in game two in Houston. He's gonna have to do this again. Last outing, he went five innings, let up four earned runs, five runs total with three walks. That's what's surprising to me, Griff, is like, can he bounce back after an embarrassing loss in game two of the World Series at the same place he's going to be pitching on Saturday? And from around Valdez, man, he showed out as well. He showed out in, um, no, wait, what game was that? That was, oh, that was the same game. Excuse me. Yeah. Game two. yeah. yeah it's a little late here. Uh, six and third innings pitch, nine strikeouts. He did also, he also walked three. So, I have more confidence in the Houston Astros winning this game because nobody, nobody likes to be in a do-or-die game on the other side. Nobody wants to be the guy to go come in. Not only you're down by one. If you lose this game, it's all over, but you'd be losing to the team at home, at, at, their, at their home ballpark. That's even worse. And you want to look past the analytics, the gambling odds, look past that. That is so important for a home team, knowing they have the home field advantage with a 3-2 lead, and they know they've rocked the fuck out of him in game two. And they are confident enough they can do it again, and I think they can do it again. If Wheeler can step up like we've seen the postseason, there might be some, it might be tough for Houston. But if we see what we saw in game two or something close to that, the Astros are winning this game. So I agree. I think the, I mean, it's going to be really tough against it's that tough. Houston crowd for Philly, uh, backs up against the wall. I mean, if there's ever a time to, to shine, maybe it's now for, uh, ring the bell and the Phillies. But, um, looking at the, the lineups that, uh, Philly used in, in game two. Um, they had Beerling start in center field uh, instead of Marsh. Also, Sosa starting at shortstop over Stott. I imagine we'll see that again because the other, I mean, the lefties haven't really been hitting very well. And Framber Valdez is a, a tough customer there. I also feel like in looking at the, the umpire, home plate umpire, Lance Barksdale, um, I know he's always in my, in my uh, career of gambling on baseball. He's always been on my list of 
umpires that favor home teams. Um, it's usually not as drastic as it was um, in the early days, 10, 12 years ago or so when I was messing around with this for the first time. But um, I think Quest Tech and all the grading systems have changed that. But I think he's going to give from Framber Valdez a little bit more on the corner. Um, and I think that matters more for Framber, who can kind of be wild from time to time. Zach Wheeler's got that great fastball, and he's going to try to overpower the Astros. And I just I don't really think it didn't clearly didn't work that first time he, he matched up with them. Um, I guess he was due for a, a non incredible start. Finally, non quality start. Um, I think he'll probably be better in this matchup. Uh, I think he'll bounce back. I just, I don't know that I see the Phillies because Framer Valdez is going to keep a lot of the balls on the ground and that's going to make it really hard in the Phillies to lift. And when they're not hitting home runs, I feel like that even stretches their lineup even thinner. Um, got anything more you want to say on the starters or you want to talk lineups in this one? This, this, this comment on the stars will kind of lead into the offense. All right. Uh, when, like we saw in game two, we saw how bad Wheeler pitched, right? You give you give Houston a lead like that early. That means you're putting this offense who's struggling already, their backs against the walls already. They We've seen it time and time again in this World Series of how many times these hitters, these Phillies hitters, are leaving runners on base and runners in scoring position. It pre- the pressure mounts up when it's the third inning and you're down by four runs already. I mean, there's only been one comeback, and that was game one, monstrous comeback at that. But all the other games, I think it's whoever took the lead first has and really has held on to it. No one's really come back from, from the dead. And we had two shutouts, and then tonight the Phillies never got back into it after they fell behind. Um, I mean, I guess the home run in the first, but then after that, once the, the Astros took that lead, they couldn't get back into it. So uh, and I think that speaks to the bullpens, which I guess we'll talk about a little bit later, but I would expect the Phillies are thrown out and those lineups are putting on those ruddies out there as much as they can. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the Astros are going to do anything weird. Cause like in game two, I see that Ledmus Diaz started and left. I think so they could put Yordan Alvarez at DH. I don't know if they're, if they're going to try to do that again. Um, but it seems like everyone's pretty much locked in and we kind of know what we're going to get for this matchup. We, I don't know what the Guriel situation is. Concussion concern, maybe? If there is, I mean, I'm sure if we looked on Twitter right now during the show, we could be seeing something like that. Mancini is definitely the... Uh, oh, and even shout out to Mancini with the right, hell huge, of a huge, huge, huge He didn't even see that one coming. I mean, Jesus Christ, that was... That was smoked by Schwarber too, and that swing before that, that uh, that hit that ground ball to Mancini, he swung for the fences like I'm. <laughs> he wanted to hit that ball 900 feet, and he swung right through the curveball. But um, yeah, he's yeah, got Manc- about as many hits as Bryson Stott in the series. I think the nice thing I, though is he's a pinch hitter, and Bryson Stott plays every inning. I want to make sure everyone's listening. I don't think Griff likes Bryson Stott too much. <laughs> Because that guy, Bryson Stott has not been a fan this entire episode. Um, well, I mean, deservedly so, deservedly so. He has not played well. Hey, but, I'm a fan because I have I have some skin in this game, and I'm rooting for the Astros. And I swear, whenever he comes up with people on base, I'm like, all right, well, you're licking I your chops. Make myself a sandwich. Yeah, you're licking your chops. You get away from that. Oh, we can take a break from the television. You don't do anything. I hope he hits a three run bomb tomorrow. I, I on Saturday. I hope he does. It'd be the best. Uh, but look, I think Mancini could be starting depending on what Guriel's status is. Yep. We'll probably we'll find something out tomorrow. I'm assuming for Friday. Uh, all these listeners. So take that into account as well. 
you know, Gurriel has been clutch, a clutch hitter in the postseason in his career. And not only that in the World Series, he has the most uh, hits in a World Series by any Cuban player ever, which are like, I think it's around like 26 or 27 hits, something along those lines. Nice. There is a stat I do want to throw out after a little tease here. It's a big stat. Uh, but we'll throw it out after the bullpen conversation. So um, bullpens here. The Astros have to figure out, is Presley going to be available for Saturday's game six? I think with the day off, he's got to be. I think I, I think so, too. He has been used a ton in this po- on this World Series especially, though. So um, to, to kind of, let's see. So he was in, I'm trying to figure out here. I'm trying to count it out here. So he was in game one. He was in game two. He was in game. Uh, he was not in game three, so he was rested there. He was in game four, and he was also in game five. So four He's got out of the some mileage on games. that arm, that's for sure. <laughs> it's got four out of the five games with one day off has pitched in the World Series. With another day off, you bet your ass that Ryan Presley, that boy, is pitching in game six without a doubt. And Dusty Baker knows that. The, the Phillies hitters know that. All the Philly fans will be watching on TV know if the Astros have a lead, the game is basically going to be over because Ryan Presley has three pitches, and they everyone knows what pitches they are. A fastball, curveball, I think the slider. I'm not sure. Um, I know he has, but there's really two pitches that he loves to use. It's the fastball, which he spots perfectly, and that curveball is just as good as, as anybody's curveball in the major leagues right now. I mean, he came out of the bullpen and threw curveball, 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 like, until he got that first strikeout. And I was like, you know what was coming, and no it was I, Watching that Hoskins at bat, it was just breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball, and then the fastball at 94-95 just snuck up like it was 98-99. Um, what I've also loved watching is I've loved watching Schwarber's at bats against these Astros pitchers. I don't understand why they keep throwing him the elevated fastball because he absolutely loves that. And I know Presley, I think, I think Presley threw him one elevated fastball in that night and that at bat in the ninth inning or the eighth inning. And I was like, what are we doing, dude? Just keep throwing that breaking ball, throw the fastball outside. He pulls every fucking pitch. There's no, he doesn't hit anything to left field ever. He hits him the center, right center, and right field. That's what he does. Anyway, I'm just rambling because I like to talk about Ryan Presley. I actually had, I interviewed Ryan Presley one time when he was on the Twins. Yeah, stand up, dude. Uh, what else do you love about this bullpen? Do you love how Abreu is just as good as Presley is? It's like a one-two punch that every, any manager would love to use. I mean, they have so many options. Even with Montero being wild tonight, um, I. Think he'll be right there in the eighth again. Brian Abreu likely gets a seventh, or if he's got uh, a situation to come in for the the strong part of the order. If, I mean, but Framber Valdez goes deep in games, so like there are just so many options. And, and part of seeing the Astros and, and really just thinking about them, they're so strong and so many. They they might not have the like the star power. They don't have someone that hits forty five home runs or whatever like Carl Schwarber would do. Um, but they have a lot of really good hitters. They, they really like took care of Ryan Presley and like, he had a lot of IL stints this year. He had like a paternity leave for a baby. Congrats on the sex, Mr. Presley, like all that sort of stuff. You know, it's like they, they, they did a really great job of monitoring everyone and they have everyone kind of 
at full speed. I mean, Jeremy Pena had definitely had some lulls in his season, had a weird concussion thing too. And now he's flying, basically playing better than anyone else. I think it's got to be, if the series ended today, it's got to be MVP. Um, and literally, I, I think it's going to be hard to see him not winning it. But, um, you know, I, I love that bullpen. The, the Philly bullpen, I mean, credit them. They've been a lot better than um, really anyone would have expected, especially considering how bad they were earlier in the year. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things where, unfortunately, being uh, Miss Congeniality uh, in this little beauty contest of bullpens, um, I don't necessarily think the Phillies are unlikely to hold a lead if they get one. Um, it's pretty much it's a race to to take the lead first. And unfortunately, Absolutely. that puts even more pressure on Philly um, to do that on the road, because every it's like. Like the 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 time's running out of the like hourglass. Every every at bat you have that you don't have a lead if you're Philly, I feel like it's much and much harder to win this game six, and and ultimately even if you do coming and winning game seven, they're gonna have to jump on Framber Valdez early, and I just I don't necessarily think that's gonna happen. That is probably the most important statement of tonight's show, or just in general, what we've seen in this postseason, and for everyone listening. Take this into account for game six and maybe game seven. Whoever scores first is basically going to have the maybe the easiest chance to win the game. And if the Astros score first, and that if it's a big lead first, watch out. Now, before we get into best bets here, Griff, this is a stat that I want to give to the people here. This might swing them into one way of ooh, ooh. in a way. So this is from a MLB.com article that was actually posted before game five. So that goes, this will be the 65th time that a best of seven series has been tied two to two after four games. Guess how many times the team that won game five won the World Series? How many times? So this is the 65th time that a, t- a series is tied up at two. 69. 45 times out of the 65 times who won game five wins the world series that is 70 percent of the time that's that's pretty good now those are some pretty like insane numbers now the circumstances of the series mattering of course is in the current 2-3-2 format griff teams with a 3-2 lead heading back home for two as the Astros are heading back home for two games have won 37 of the 49 series, that's 76% of the time. So the Astros are sitting pretty going into game six, not only with a 3-2 lead, but 45 of the last 65 times the series is tied up at two, they win the series. For the record, that is 69% of the time. Nice. Nice. 70%, 69%, round it up, do whatever you want. But um, Griff, I know you are already taking the Astros here. <laughs> I know you are. Hold on, hold on. It's time for our best bets. Uh, I know. Time for our you, best bets. Brought to you by pregame.com. Use the promo code GRAND20. get 20% off. Um, all right. I mean, thank you for divulging. I did not tell you this pre, pre-show, pre but uh, you might have heard kind of everything I've said so far. Uh, you've been listening on the other side <laughs> of this camera. So I'll let you go. I'll let you go first, Taylor. You can love um, all right. I'll go first. I'm my my fan, my fan perspective. 
I would love the Phillies to win and force a game seven because why not? We all love game sevens, the best two words in sports, game seven. Realistically, I think this is in the bad. I I think it's in the bag. I think Houston comes out with the W and seals the deal at home. Watching how Framer Valdez faced this Phillies lineup in game two was extremely impressive. Nine strikeouts. Valdez had the season of his career this year, and he's only done great things in the postseason, including in the World Series. The Astros are sitting at it right now at a minus 140, and the Phillies are at plus 130. I'm going to take the more realistic thing. Is unfortunately, do I want the Phillies to win? Of course I do, Griff. Of course, because I want to be right. I want to be right because I picked the Phillies in six, and it will be Phillies in seven. But I think Houston's going to take it this one. I think they are, and I'm. It, it kills me to say it, but I'm trying to be realistic here. I'm just glad you're using your head because uh, the the Astros have been the better team. I think all season. They've been better in the series, and if they didn't choke off that that first start, uh, first game with a five nothing lead, we're probably not even talking about this now. So thank you to the Astros for giving us a little bit, a few more shows. You know, it's it's very kind of them to keep the uh, Phillies hanging around. But I'll also pick the Houston Astros minus one forty as my best bet. I think the series ends here. It's a game later than I expected, but. Uh, ultimately, I think in terms of the over-under, I think Framer Valdez is going to go out there and go give us a quality start because he gave us so many of those, so many all season. He had a huge streak, like 26 or 7 in a row. Incredible uh, stuff. I'm going to say six innings, probably two runs allowed. Um, and I think that does give Wheeler some ability to try to outpitch him. Um, I don't know that he will. And I do think the bullpens will be good. But if the Phillies don't take an early lead, I think anything the Astros do to get some momentum is going to be really hard for the Phillies to overcome. So I'll I'll lean under seven. It's a little little thin to try to get a uh, a win if, if we're giving up two runs in six innings. But that might be all the Phillies get. So I'll go Astros minus one forty. Join Taylor, my co-host, and uh, those will be our best bets for Game Six. You can follow me on Twitter, the real underscore G Warner. Um, look out for plenty of baseball. Um, I guess. This is the last potentially baseball play of the season. I'm hoping the season ends on uh, on Saturday, but we'll see. Um, Taylor already read you the, the riot act about what we're potentially going to look for for a schedule this weekend. But plenty of soccer stuff coming out if you want to uh, keep staying on the ride, on the train, on the choo-choo train as we go forward. Because um, once the season goes, we'll end up transitioning to another one and then another one and another one. And I'll stop rambling. You can take this away, Taylor. All right, kiddos. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Taylor Ringgold. Follow my website, taylorringle.com, and follow me on other socials, taylor underscore ringle on Instagram and on TikTok. Look me up there. Videos all the time, breaking down a lot of baseball and overall different sports. Another great episode is in the books. Griff, amazing job. We have now talked about a ton of baseball all season long, an amazing postseason podcast, and now an incredible World Series that we've watched. Game six on Saturday. Now, again, last before I send off here, I will tell everybody again, if if there is a game seven, we will drop it on Sunday before the game. That will probably be Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. We'll give you enough time to bet on the game. And if there's no game seven, we'll drop it like we always do Sunday evening going into Monday morning. We appreciate you stopping by. We appreciate you guys always for listening. We will catch you guys on the next episode and most likely the final episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview MLB Edition. 
We'll see you guys soon.